Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Pretty good. Great. 
thank you for joining me. I don't know if it's only me and you tonight. You know what, tonight? Oh, no, I said I don't know if it's only you and myself on tonight. I don't know who's on tonight. Kim said it's only us. That Mrs. Kim. Okay, so she's probably on double line because I called her. I didn't hear her. Maybe she's still on double line. Oh, what'd you say? Okay, do we have a guest tonight? No. Oh, no, I was asking if we have a guest tonight. Because someone asked about a Hank, and I didn't know what was going on. I got confused. That's what happened. Oh, I thought. Yeah, I no, thought I didn't know. Was a, a guest. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, somebody has a tank like on tonight, and I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? I don't have access to that bio. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was asking about. I was like, if if we have a guest, really please let me know if there's a bio. Okay. Well, I guess we. It might have be another night. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So she maybe she was just double checking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she was just double checking. Uh, you know, so tonight we don't really have a, a guest, and when we do these shows, we don't really have a topic. We kind of leave it open to discuss topics that could be interesting to people regarding child abuse um, or recovery after child abuse, some of the things. I know a lot of people have been asking me about self-care and some of the things that they, you know, can do to help them in their healing journey as related to self-care. Uh, so that's just something that people have been talking to me a lot about, and also suicide prevention, which that's coming up next month, and mental health is always a topic that people um, talk about, especially, I feel like every month, mental health something, even though every day really should be mental health something, right, to, to keep us all sane and, and positive and productive and all that good stuff. But like I said, um, Every time I turn around, I think this month might be, like, recovery from, like, addiction or something like that. Does anybody know what month, what this month is about, if it's regarding awareness or mental health? No? Yeah. I know that for some, you know? You don't know? Yeah. I just feel like every time I turn around, we're, um, mm-hmm. oh, you're looking? Yeah, there's always something. Yeah, there's um, yeah every time every month every month something. I know next month, and and it's crazy because next month is my birthday, and I do a lot of the advocacy in the area of um, suicide prevention, and next month is all about that. And I feel like I mean it doesn't make me feel bad or triggered or anything like that, but it makes me feel like like a Maybe a confirmation of a little, maybe a little confirmation that I am where I'm supposed to be, in um, in the sense of you know speaking about suicide, mental health recovery, and things like that. So I don't know. Does anybody have like a yeah, specific topic? Okay. What yeah. They, well, this month. Well, this month is National Fully Awareness Month. So. Oh, gosh, that's a good topic. This one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good topic. And especially with the kids going back to school, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced bullying growing up. Um, oh, yeah. So? Oh, yeah. Bullying, I, yeah. That makes sense. 
me and Kim. Oh, okay. So you've experienced it. You said even your son has to? Yeah, I, he was really, really bad, unfortunately. And it didn't necessarily just stop at school. It, it, unfortunately, it was happening in the family, too, by certain people. And, you know, people mm-hmm. want to just say, oh, that's the way I raised, that's normal, or that was my normal. But that's not acceptable that's in not my eyes, normal. you know, because we we're supposed to be better for our children. And so to, to bully your child and your grandchild is not. I, I don't think well, I think that children when you said that. I think some people bully yeah. their own children and their grandchildren. That's that. That's horrible. Yeah. That people think that that's well, normal I don't because know. they went through it. Yeah. Well, and I don't think even in their mind, it's kind of like we've talked about with abuse. You know, I think in their mind, if that's mm-hmm. what you're raised with, you don't necessarily know. Oh, you know, they're just joking around. They're just being silly mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. It's, you can dismiss just about anything by just saying, oh, I wasn't, I was just kidding. But um, if it's bullying, then no, that's not kidding. Yeah. Right. So. You're saying that it's so true because uh, some people make little funny jokes. Like my aunt would always make jokes about me. And I didn't realize, like, you know, it made me feel bad. And I, I just... And I felt embarrassed, actually, knowing she would make certain jokes. Um, and I just thought she just didn't like me or, you know what I mean? Because she wouldn't do it to everybody else. But I didn't look at it at the time like that's a form of bullying. I just was like, well, culturally, you know, my aunt, you know, I don't, I, I, I know she loves me, right? So I guess it's just normal that she does that. But that's that really did affect my self-esteem because I already had to deal with, like, people at school being mean, right? And then now having to deal with this um, in the family, I think that's even harder. You know? Well, yeah, it's any kind of abuse. You can't understand it. If that's not true. How do we have these conversations? Go ahead, so sorry. You can't, you can't understand it. That resonates with me because I can't understand it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, did, did you ever ask? really tell you about it? Yeah, before. No. No. How could you? Do you mind? Would you? Would you mind? Excuse me, sharing. I lost it all the way. Um, I feel like my dad and my sisters bullied me. Oh, I'm sorry. And you're the youngest, aren't you, in your family? No, there's another one that's younger than me. Oh, there is? Yeah. And did that person get bullied or no? I don't know. (laughs) You just felt it was... Personal health, or how did it make you feel? Made me feel helpless and worthless, and unable to do do anything for yourself. I hear you. I think that we it probably is more common than what we 
think, you know, because when we're doing, when we're in it, you just think it's us. Yeah. I sorry. I think it's really difficult. I'm sorry that you had to go through that, Philip, because you know it's like the person you respect the person, and they're you know they're older than you, they're bigger than you, they're somebody you're supposed to trust and respect. You're talk, you're supposed to respect the person, and then they they do those things and break you down. And you would think just like um, Miss Kim was just saying, you know, even it even happens outside of the home, and it even happens in the home. And it's like, wow, the, the one place that should be safe, um, and you shouldn't have to worry about that, you would not think it would be in the home. And that's very traumatic. And a lot of people that have been bullied, a lot of people that have been bullied, they become bullies themselves. You know, they become bullies themselves. They don't realize that that behavior is not appropriate. I did that for a while. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? We need to talk about it because that's how we can help. I mean, when we know better, okay, we can do better. There's not nothing wrong with that. You went through it, and then you repeated the cycle because you thought it was well, it was good behavior. How did you do it? If you don't mind sharing. I, sometimes I have a habit of picking on friends and I was aggressive with my friends when I was younger. Okay, so you pick on your friends sometimes? Yeah, and I was really physically aggressive with them. Yeah, that's fair. Physically aggressive, would you like play a wrestle and or really hit them for real? Uh, most of it was just like playing aggressive. Would anything in particular get you going, like trigger you to, to do that? Um, the thought of being alone. If you were left alone? The thought of being left alone. Oh, okay. Trigger me. So did they did they get away from you and walk away from you when you did those? Did you were like being uh, bullied? Yeah, they walked away from me. Now, did you know that it was called being a bully, or did you like figure it out later, or were you aware at the time? Like, okay, I'm being a bully. Oh well. Oh, they go. I'm being a bully. Oh well, that's for now. Yep, that makes sense. We appreciate you telling us that and sharing that and being so transparent because that's how people learn, you know. Now, can you share a little bit about, like, um, anybody in particular? Like, were you ever a bully to family members, you yourself, like maybe a sibling or? Um, Yes, I think so, unfortunately. Well, not like not like repeatedly, not repeatedly, just like on a small occasion. Right, that's fine. And did you feel like did you feel that because you were bullied, it had a lot to do with the way that you responded, or I kind of felt like I had to do it. 
I kind of felt like it was fitting in to do it. Like you were what? Fitting in to do it. Like if I did it, I would fit oh, in. Oh, okay. Yep. I um, I think I remember um, classmates sometimes would be bullies because the kids would laugh, and they were like, it made them look cool. You know, make them look cool, and so they thought that being a bully would make them just, you know, fit in, like you said, or be cool or be accepted. So, um, you know, a lot of people did feel that. I know, Ms. Kim, you were sharing a little bit um, about that your son went through some bullying. you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about that? And of Miss Kim, you're still on the line. Yeah, I was talking, but I was muted. Oh, okay, I didn't hear you. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say he just, um, yeah, he was overweight when he was growing up, and um, and so you know that's always a source of bullying. He was probably one of the most friendly kids so I've ever met in my life. And, you know, all of the schools knew him because he had two older daughters or sisters, I mean. So, um, you know, he was basically born in, like, the elementary school and there all the time with me doing stuff. And and so he always had, I well, I thought that he always had kind of that a person to go to. And, and I think he did for the most part. I didn't realize at one point that he was until after the fact. And he told us that he was suicidal. And I think that had a lot to do with it. So, I mean, that plays a big part in, unfortunately, in bullying. I mean, we see that all the time on the news and stuff where, especially with social media these days, too. People are able to just bully you right online. They don't even have to be right in front of you to do it. So, I mean, that, it scares me for, like, my grandchildren because it's hard to to have that constant, you know, it was like we were growing up, it was, I was bullied as well. I can't, I can't remember exactly what, I was held back in third grade. So I think that also perpetuated a little bit of the bullying that I, that I got. And then, um, I, you know, I don't know, there were just always, there's always bullies. And there was one girl that used to bully me all the way through fifth grade. And then um, by sixth grade, I think it was like even the first part of sixth grade, maybe she did. And then we were like friends by the end of the school year because I, I wouldn't take it. I would just kind of ignore. And, um, and we lived kind of close to each other. So she would, you know, we kind of walked the same way home. And then, but we spent like that next summer together. So I don't know exactly how that all transpired. I don't, I don't remember all of the details, but um I, I remember telling my kids a lot to to not you know to try not to let it get to you because it's not about it's not about you it's not about what you're doing or what you look like or anything it's about the insecurities of that other kid and I know it's hard especially when you're young or in elementary schools or something to pick that up but um, we've got to let our kids know that I mean. Uh, Tell them something because they don't deserve. Nobody deserves to be bullied. But, yeah. 
and um, my son has done very well. He's he's not he's not as introverted as I am by any means, <laughs> but he's um, and he's a director at Chick Fil A, so he's got he's got to have a lot of personality. <laughs> and he's and what, else, what was the last part? I said he's a director at Chick Fil A, so he's a director oh. at Chick Fil A, so he's got a lesson. He's he's really good at you know trying helping people to communicate better. And from some for somebody who was bullied most of their childhood, and um, and then basically came out as gay at eighteen, I'm surprised. I mean, and but I think that even a lot of his training, and I was talking to somebody today in the class where I was teaching about that. Like anybody, I suggest if you are getting your, trying to get your child a first job, take a Chick-fil-A because they really do mentor them and guide them and teach them how to do things. It's not just here, you know, serve these fries or serve this drink. They really do a good job at mentoring them. And my son is hoping to one, to one day own his home, oh. or not own them. I guess you just operate them. They're called operating. So he's kind of working towards that goal right now, is having his own store. But um, I actually do credit Chick-fil-A for a lot of his confidence. I really do think that um, they came in and kind of mentored him and guided him in a better way than he might have done if he was you know, relying on us parents. And um, that, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize how important another person is, an outside person, because your kids will listen to that outside person a lot better usually than they want to listen to their parents. So, um, yeah, no, I've just always been very impressed <laughs> with Chick-fil-A and, and my son and how he, you know, overcame all of that stuff and is very confident and very a very good manager <laughs> director a little bragging there well well chick-fil-a you just got a, a plug because that was a great commercial yeah. on my heart I, i'm like about to tell my kids about it like listen Check out Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Do they, does Chick-fil-A do scholarships or anything like that? I know McDonald's yeah. does. Yeah. Um, so does Chick-fil-A yes, do. also do that? Wow. Yeah, they do. That's amazing. I love yeah. Chick-fil-A. I'm actually right in front yeah. of one right now. I love Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm kind of mad they're not open on Everyone. Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> they're so you good. Know, I think if you number one a franchise. <laughs> yeah, it, Not if. When your son opens up a franchise, he's going to be very successful. Chick-fil-A is great. And this is definitely training him into that management ownership position because he'll know every corner of the work. That's why it's good for the young ones to get in and just start working there and work their way up to management and learn, you know, learn how to run a, a franchise and run. I mean, you have to start at the bottom sometimes to, to work your way to the top. You know, most of the time that's the way it starts, you know, because then you get to see the need of the employees. So why? Because you get it firsthand. You get to see 
some of the um, areas that could use some fixing, and then when you get yours, you can do better. I did want to address, and, um, you know, that you said earlier, you were talking about, okay, and then you also shared that you got kept back in the third grade. I got kept back in the third grade, too, so I was like, oh, my God, I went through that, too. But I was able to relate to that part of your story, right? But you had to walk home. Did you get bullied? Like, you had to get on the same bus? Or what What did you say about this young girl? We walked home the same way. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, you know, that's very torturous. That gives people anxiety, thinking about, oh, my God, you're going to see this person, and you got to deal with this person. And that's very stressful for children to have to, to, to go through. And the sad part about it is some kids, take their lives some kids like that's terrorizing somebody well you're not looking forward to going to school you're worried about some the next day having to see this person did you ever like tell someone about it or try to get a teacher involved or like because some kids they, they don't tell anybody so it's too late yeah I can't remember. It seems like maybe I might have at one point said something and they might have said, you know, you're you're walking home from school. There's nothing really we can do about that. And, um, you know, she has to walk home too. So, you know, and I don't think that it was as um, – people weren't as aware. I, bullying, you know, bullying has been happening for hundreds of years, I'm sure. But as far as the awareness that we have and – I think even since Columbine, since that first school shooting happened, um, there's the, just a more of an awareness around bullying. However, I've got to say, I, and I, my kids are, you know, a lot older than yours are too, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely still see it in all the schools, even though they try. You know, I know they're trying, but it's still there because kids are just and that's too bad because there is a component missing in their education mm-hmm. and they've got to, you know, they've got to turn around and believe somebody else can make that feel. Okay. That's not going to be that, good in their adulthood either. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Breaks you down. It gives you, you know, could affect your self-esteem. Can really affect your self-esteem when you hear something enough, you know. Because we're like, for example, we're born naked, right? And you don't know. And I'm going back into, you know, um, let's just say you're born naked and you don't know that you're naked. So somebody goes, "Oh my God, look at you! You're naked. Look at your this. Look at your that." Then you start looking like, "Oh wow, look at my this. Look at my that." You know, I am naked. So, um, you know, there's a in a sense an innocence about us that's taken away from us by these bullies that are bringing us in that. Maybe we, like, look at you. You have big lips. Like, you don't know my lips. I know my lips are big. They're mine. Like, you don't understand that. Oh, my God, you're big. Uh, you don't think I know that I'm big? When I go to the doctor, when I weigh myself, you don't say, oh, my God, you're skinny. It's like, you know, people yeah. point out those things. I used to teach my kids all the time not to do that to people. And I would tell them about, like, how people would do that to me, and it was very hurtful. 
And you know what? I don't know if they listen. I don't know. All I could do is my part as a parent and try to teach them that that's not nice. And kids, some kids take their life. Like, you know, just really let them know the severity of it. So if you see somebody getting picked on, stick up, say something. Be like, you know, hey, you know, be like, hey, come on now, leave her alone. Or come on, man, leave him alone. You know, just don't be don't be a part of it. Don't just be a don't be a standby and just be laughing in the corner, because then you just as guilty. But you know, or or privately, if you don't want to say nothing to them because you don't want to get beat up, privately go to a teacher and be like, you know what? And in, in class, they always this person, this person, they're always picking on that person. And I'm really concerned. If you're scared for your own safety, like they're going to turn on you and bully you, you still can outcry for help privately because sometimes the one that's going to do it is just becomes numb to the abuse to the point, well, maybe not even numb because obviously, you know, it affects them to the point that sometimes they take their life. Either you say something to the person that's doing it, like, eh, just leave them alone, or say something to an adult. Excuse me, get some help. Get get some support. Um you shared also that uh, your son, excuse me, was overweight and he was bullied for that. Um, one of my kids, he was overweight too, and um, and I'm sure he he got bullied in school somehow, somewhere. I didn't hear too much about it, but one day I was going into uh, I was well, I was walking through the house somewhere, and I was walking towards the back room and. In the back room, my daughter and my son were in the back room, and they were, you know, talking and everything like that. And they were like probably like nine, twelve, ten, somewhere around there. And I heard my daughter calling him a fat piece of this and a fat piece of that. And I'm just being quiet, and my blood pressure is going up. I'm ready to bust down that door and get on her. But I just was like, let me see what he's going to say about this. Let me see if he's going to stick up for himself and put her in her place. And and he never did. He was just sitting there and just, like, kind of laughed a little bit. You know, that's how you kind of play it off a little bit. I was so mad at my daughter for doing that, that abusing her brother in my house. Like, I just, I was so appalled and so shocked. And, I mean, she was saying every triggering word that you could think of every triggering word that you could think of. And I just end up busting the door and, well, opening up the door, and I went off on her. I went off on her. I heard you. And da, 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 da. I don't remember what I was saying, but I was checking her behind. And by the time I finished, um, you know, I kicked her out of the room, and then I said to my son, I called him a fat something, and he bust out crying. And I said, why are you crying and why you didn't stick up for yourself with her. And maybe I went about it the wrong way at that time. But he said, because it's coming from you and you're my mom. And he started crying. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Uh, and at the moment, I was trying to teach him, stick up for yourself. You don't let anybody talk to you like that. And ever, ever since then, my son became so good with his words. Uh, he, he, he writes, I mean, poetry, raps, and, and he, nobody could ever pick on him today. He would, he he would, he would turn your place in a way that, and he does not, he will not even need to swear. And you, by the time he's done saying what he has to say, by the time he's done saying what he has to say, he'll make you feel like a like a little tiny, small 
just go away type of person. But I think it's really important for us to empower our children and teach them about the importance of sticking up for themselves. I don't know if anybody has anything to say about that. I wish my parents would have told me how to stick up for myself. You wish who? I wish my parents would have told me to stick up for myself. Miss hmm. Kansas, did you tell your son to stick up for himself ever? Yes. And I also, like I said, I also said, and I don't know if that was the right way either. I mean, how do you talk to your kids? But I also said, I try and remember it's not about you, but um, I don't know if that would have helped me in, you know, fifth grade when I was being bullied either. But um, it might have because I've always been kind of a sensitive kid. So I think I did always think about other, other kids in that degree. And that could be why I ended up friends with that girl. You know, because I did feel sorry for her to some degree because I knew that something must be going on. And to have that kind of insight as a child is um, kind of rare, too. That doesn't usually happen to children. It's hard to empathize with others. But I think kids that have been through a lot, a lot of trauma, are able to do that better to show that example. Do you think that um, it helped your son? Or I'm not the word is help, but do you think that him going through what he's been through made him a better person, more empathetic? Yeah, I mean, I think it always, for the it, it does one of two things, right? It's either going to make you more, you meaner, and wanting to do it more. So, um, yeah, I think in, in my son's case, for sure, it made him probably more empathetic. I know that he can he can say, or he, he has told me before, if he doesn't mind me sharing this, that um, he, there are times that he finds himself, you know, getting getting worked up, and he could see where he could be very mean if he doesn't pay attention to his emotions. And so, which is, is very aware for a you know, 25-year-old, first of all, that he, um, but I think that a lot of that had to do with because he was bullied and traumatized as a child. And um, you do kind of get that little part of that sense. I don't want this to happen. I'm so sorry to hear Hopefully. Yeah. I'm just sorry to hear that he went through that. That's like very, very that's difficult. Very difficult. Um like you said, I think that definitely it um it opened up an area of understanding and empathy where he's able to to be the leader that he is today. And he sounds like he's a very like he's a great person, like he's very mature. Um, and he's really focused on his growth, and he sounds like a person who has a good head on their shoulders. Yeah. And I, I won't say because of it, but I'll definitely say that it builds a different, it builds another muscle on top of the fact that that's just something that's within him. It does um, 
build a different muscle. So, um, so if your parents never told you or no one ever, did anybody ever tell you, like a counselor or a coach to stick up for yourself? Well, my dad would, but he would just, he was the one picking on me and he wouldn't let me send it for myself every time I tried to. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but he would tell you to stick up for yourself? Um, maybe like once or twice. Yeah. I never um I never had anyone really tell me to stick up for myself. I think that's kinda why I probably was like you know, but I, I think the reason I ended up telling my son to stick up for myself is because I caught the the abuse and the disrespect and I was just so appalled. Well, first of all, if if um I would have heard that they were being bullied at school. I'm always like, you need to tell the teacher. You need to get it there. I'll come up there. We'll have a meeting. And, oh, okay, one of my sons, um, he had, uh, when he was three years old, a closet fell on his head, and it broke every bone in his face, and he swallowed his top teeth. So his teeth grew in severely crooked. Oh, look, I was just talking about my son. And guess what? I was just talking about you, and you pulled up next to me, Malik. Hi. Look at that. My son, my stepson and my son just pulled up to me in a car on the way home. And I was just talking about my son. And that, isn't that funny? You can't make that up. But anyways, he survived. <laughs> and um, uh, he had to have plastic surgery and then, you know, and a lot of different surgeries. At 10, he had to have another surgery. And uh, they had to take a piece of his rib, put it in his uh, to fix his jaw because he couldn't open his mouth bigger than the pinky thing, pinky finger. So one of his goals and his dreams was to eat a cheeseburger. Okay, now kids didn't know why his face looked lopsided. Like it's still, it's not, it's not even still to this day. It's one side is uh, different than the other because he had surgery and had to have reconstructive surgery. So they don't know the story behind his survival story. But um, one thing about him is um, he told me that. And, and he told me this this year for the first time. He said, Ma, one of those, uh, when, when I was in school, one of the grades that I was in, the kids would talk about my teeth. So I learned how to, how to speak without showing my teeth. I mastered it because, um, you know, the kids would make fun of me so badly, right? And, um, and I felt like, dang, that's so horrible. Why didn't you say something to anybody? And then he said, and I said, you should have told me. I said to him, you should have told me because I would have went up to that school. And, th- and he said, that's why I didn't tell you. Because once you do that, you make the teasing even worse. Okay, they, they will pick on me even harder if you would have gone and done that. And so I just ignored them. And, you know, eventually some of them stopped. But he said, I would just ignore them. I said, yeah, but when you're quiet and let the bullies, you know, do more teasing, sometimes they, they're worse, you know. But anyways, he said that, yeah, it did affect him. It was a very challenging, very difficult time in his life. And I felt so bad because I was like, wow, he didn't even tell me about it. You know, that's, some of these kids are suffering in silence because they're scared to say something and then get picked on even more. So, you know, were you ever scared yeah. to to tell Philip? All the time. 
Oh, and he's trying to tell my dad would do use it and, like, murder me. Wow. That's hard. Sorry you had to go through that. With a parent, especially. No. So it's like you can't tell anyone. That, that and every time hard. I tell my siblings, they just tell me to get over it. What happened every time you told your siblings? Every time I tell my siblings that I have a rough childhood, they just tell me to be over it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I um, I know. I've heard, you know, a lot of times family members, um, they have a hard time having empathy. They have a hard time having empathy. It's like, get over it. Oh, you're overreacting. My mother used to say that to me sometimes. And, um, you know, my mom was raised a little bit rough, too. And so sometimes she would, like, kind of shut me down if I was trying to address something that was hurtful. Um and it was it was very difficult. It was very difficult. I felt alone, and I felt that, like, you know, like I see the favoritism sometimes with my other siblings. I felt like maybe she doesn't like me that much, you know, because it's like they, they didn't complain about her being uh, sometimes a little bit, a little bit probably tough because I was with her more than them. Um, when I grew up, I was with my, okay, but my older brother was not around her as much, so I always felt that she kind of had this guilt. Um, and so that's why she didn't, um, treat him like that. She was always trying to, you know, suck up to him. But then when it came to, um, when it came to my younger brother, he was the baby, so obviously, you know, she treated him more. Did you guys ever, did you, you ever experience, like, siblings being treated more, you know, being treated better than the other siblings or not being bullied like you were bullied? Yes, all the time. That's all it was. Hello? Is anybody there? Yep. Could you hear me? I wonder if she. You. Oh, there you are. Now you're back. You were. Okay. Did you ever experience your your siblings being um not being bullied like favoritism like kind of like maybe the person doesn't like you or like anything? Yes. Both parents treated them like that. Hmm. Feel like maybe she doesn't like me, and maybe you know what I mean. Maybe, maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe it is a problem, or maybe you know what I mean. You start to believe some of these things that are not true, but you start to question. So, um, so yeah, I had asked my son, like, oh my God, why would you go through something like that and not tell me? And I, I felt bad, you know. I was like, dang, what what is it like to go to school? And and I know I've been through it, 
you know, but it's but you don't want that for your children. You know what I mean? Like you you want to like you want to protect them, right? You don't want them to go through that. And I'm talking about parents who care about their children. I'm not talking about parents uh, who have issues and have unresolved issues and take it out on their children because maybe they won't understand. Some people lack the empathy and stuff like that. Like I said, some parents lack empathy, but I'm talking about like parents who are like, you know, want to protect their children from some of the abuse or things that they've been through. And then you find out that your child is going through abuse at school here or at camp or whatever. And and Miss Kim, I know while I'm saying this, I'm even thinking about you as a parent. Like, what, what were you going through when you found out, like, the level or maybe maybe some things you may not even know how bad the the bullying was. So some things we don't they don't they may not have said or shared with us. But to know that your child was going through that as a, a mother who cares about her children, how was that for you like? Yeah, no, I think it broke my heart that he was being bullied and especially when it was happening family events too that just I know that I always I had, was always just had a really good relationship and so he has always come to me except for one time that um, he said he was feeling suicidal but even that Chick-fil-A helped that too because he said that he was thinking about doing it, and then they called and asked him to come to work. It was on a day off, and I was like, so, I mean, and especially once I found out that he had been suicidal, and I knew exactly where it was coming from, or I think I did, but, um, you know, that's kind of what he went through. And we went through, you know, several years of him just not wanting to go to school at all. He's just and it wasn't that he couldn't do the work. He could do the work. He just didn't like the atmosphere. And um, I finally had to, I think I've said this before, I finally had to let him quit and get his GED because it, it wasn't, it just wasn't serving him in any way. And he, you know, left school in, in his um, junior year and immediately got his GED, like within a month. He went and got his GED. So, because I had given him full year, I think, and through the summer, I said, okay, you've got like six months to take your GED. And um, and he just went and did it immediately right away. So he knew the success. And at that point, I I felt like it was probably was the right decision because it just wasn't serving him. So, so yeah. I know some people don't don't agree with that, <laughs> but you know you can't make them can't make them go to school or make them like school or anything. And and both of my daughters didn't have any problems in school. They did well and had lots of friends and stuff. And it was just different. And also, I think at times I wonder if then Chick-fil-A might have been a little bit of a detriment during that time frame just because when he first started high school, he was 
trying to do too much, and he really wanted to be in band, and um, and that's a big commitment. That's a lot of practice and going to all the games and everything, and and he was doing Chick Fil A, and um, and he was doing youth group, and so I was like, you need to cut something out, and at that time he cut out the band. That was before we'd gotten into the the whole academic site, which I kind of wish he, you know, maybe he wouldn't have done that either. But he did have a really good full year of playing, and he enjoyed it. And he then the following year, because he was in band the year before, even though he didn't take it as, as his sophomore year, he was able to go with the band to New York. So he got to do a trip with the band, and, and that was fun too. But um, I think that he he was more into money at that point and wanted to make money and <laughs> on Saturday instead of playing in the band. So, but it all worked out. It all seemed to work out. Good. Could you hear me? There you are. Yes, kind of. No, I, I heard you just that in the ear right now. Uh, the phone may go out for loud. It's a good, uh, what's the appropriate age to leave your child at home alone? Dr. Nancy? Is anybody there? Dr. Nancy? Mm-hmm. Are you there? Could you hear me? Now I can. Okay, is Miss Kim? Miss Kim? Hello, Miss Kim. Yep, there you are. Yeah. Hey. I don't know We're what back, happened. Y'all. That was weird. Sorry about that. Yeah, I lost <laughs> connection. I got. I lost connection. I can't. It kicked me out. I had to call back in. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, so I what think I was, it's I, what I was in the system. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I uh, know. Uh, what I was gonna say was. Um, um, yes, yeah, sounds very lucky to have a mom who who cares. And having been through what you've been through yourself, you're so much more sensitive, and you can catch things, and you can you know listen and take things and be like not judgmental, but you can actually you know be supportive to your son. And I think that that was beautiful the fact that you said that your son comes to you about pretty much he comes to you about anything. He knows um, that you're a safe space. People don't have that. Um, so the fact that you're just able to provide that for your son, 
and that he's found you to be someone he can trust. I just wanted to commend you for that as a parent because there's there's some parents that they, they don't provide that for their children. So just wanted to give you a, your flowers for that because that was, that was, that's so needed. Well, and I think even to the other, the opposite extreme. So what I see a lot, especially when it comes to boys, is a lot of parents want to um, make sure that they're tough, you know, make sure that they know how to fight. And so I even see that with a couple of my grandsons, too, because just because of the way that their dad is. I mean, you've got to have this tough attitude and, you know, I, I don't think you always have to have a tough attitude. I think it's good to be soft <laughs> once in a while, too. But, um, but a lot of boys, and I, I can think of a cousin, too, specifically, who is just very much, suck it up, you know, go do your thing and don't cry and don't have feelings about anything. You know, that's not, that's not really how I want to raise my kids. And it's, I think, and they've all got kind of, I, I could kind of all those different levels of empathy in the three of my kids, because it's not all the same. <laughs> and sometimes you wonder, you're like, what, why didn't that get in your brain? But um, I've got good kids, so I've been blessed. I've heard people say that to their kids, toughen up, toughen up, shut up, don't, don't cry. Um, I actually, I actually would play with the baby and be like, you know, with the toy baby and be like, okay, honey, to my son and be like, pass me the baby. Because it's like you want to develop parental love in your children. So teaching them to be nice to a baby or to be, you know, sweet, be kind, be loving, it's, it's not, I mean, you know, I think it's just bad teaching that people don't know that, like, you're teaching them to be tough, but they're going to be a husband. And so my kids growing up, I would always say, hey, you're going to have a wife one day, you're going to have a husband one day, you're going to, I mean, I don't know which direction they're going to go, whether they're going to have a husband or a wife, that's none of my business. But my job was to teach them to be loving some of the things that I wish I learned, I try to do it a little better. So, I, like I said, I'll tell my son, pass me the baby. Oh, hold the baby's head. Philip, did anybody ever do that? He's right, tucking you up. Who are you talking to? Are you talking to me or him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad didn't mm-hmm. let me cry. And he always told me to toughen up. I think that's so mean, you know. Sometimes people hit you and tell you to shut up. Hit you until you don't yeah. cry. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I'm happy to have an answer. Yeah. Because that, that sounds very tough. But I think it's very ignorant when you show little boys to have a tough boy get over it attitude. Because then sometimes there's no filter to that, and they really 
become troubled kids. I've actually heard that from some of the kids. I'm not saying that that's going to be the outcome for your grandson because, you know, we don't wish any of that. But, you know, it is okay. And I'm glad that you're doing the the opposite when they're with you. You know, you teach them still it's okay to cry. It's okay to 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 to, to have love and be kind, right? So do when you have them, do you do you follow the tough um, guy attitude routine, or do you do the granny more at a little um, a little more loving touch of parenting? I um, no, I definitely am more empathetic, and I think they are more empathetic around me. I can see that. There's a difference between, I think, what atmosphere they're in. Where at home, that is their atmosphere. That's what they're told to do is to, you know, chop it up, be a van at three years old, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> um, And you see that. I mean, you can see that in the three-year-old. And it's, I, I think just this last, you know, last six months or so, I've started to see that where he's just kind of, you know, it, it's not a bad thing in some ways, and in some ways it could be, like you said, but um, where he's just, you know, walking very tall with his chest stuck out. And you could just tell he's feeling very confident, even at three years old. And I think that comes from them always, you know, saying, hey, do this, you know, do this. You need to cuff it up. And then at some point, you know, you do have that. Um, kind of let down of I can't always be tough. I'm human. I need to be able to let down my guard once in a while. And so that's where I think it starts to get kind of detrimental in, in the growth of a child is because then they're just confused like a lot of things. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, it does. And then with, you know, with you, I know you do a lot of work with families and children and, you know, um, stewards of children and all of that. Do you think that some of this tough guy attitude could have an effect in, in their the way that they kind of react towards others or, like, you know, become bullies? As we were talking about bullying a little bit on that one. And, um... What what do you think that some of those things, like being told to be tough, what do you think that it could do? Now, in the area of sticking up for yourself, it could probably help you a little bit. Don't get me wrong, I think. But in the area of becoming a bully or, I mean, what's your thought as far as the, what what could go wrong if you do too much of that extreme I can give you some examples because I found them in myself. Or did you want to let Kim, Mrs. Kim, answer that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Could you sure. use yourself as an example with the bullying guy? Yeah. Um, I like sexually I've crossed the line without permission from the opposite gender, and uh, that's not something I'm proud of. Okay, say it again because I say it again slow, a little. Sexually, I've crossed the line with the opposite gender without their permission, and that's not something I'm proud of. Okay, well, at least you're admitting it, and that's something that, you know, you're working through. Um, 
And do you, um, let me ask you this, do you, do the people, like, say, do they laugh and, like, or do they say, hey, please don't do that, and then you you stop, or do you, like, how do you deal with it if you cross the line and they tell you to stop? How do you deal it was, with it? It was, it was a long time ago, and one time they laughed, and I can't remember what they did the other time. Okay, so it was a long time ago, too. Okay. Well, at the end of the day, at least, you know, thank you for sharing that because what, you know, you sharing that, it will help somebody look at themselves and possibly it could be helpful to them as well. And that's the purpose of us having these open conversations and being able to be transparent and be real in a safe space. So thank you for that. So we appreciate you for shedding some light. Ms. Kim, what was your thought about about um the question? Well, I think what I was wondering, though, if, if you don't mind going back to Celeste for a minute, is what do you know what was going through your mind at the time that that, that happened? Um, sexual deprivation and social deprivation. Yeah. Yeah, just feeling kind of isolated and like cares or want to get to know you. Is you feel that that's kind of what yeah. it, how it triggered it? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Was it some? Was it at school? No, it was in a car, and at somebody's house. Well, and now you know. I mean, you know that that not appropriate. Maybe it just didn't occur to you at the time because you wanted to feel powerful, right? I mean, I think that's a lot of times that people are bullies like that is because they want to not feel so weak and powerless. And it was done to them. So I think... um, what I would say could happen, not necessarily that it will happen, but I think that that breeds narcissism. To be able to, you know, tell your your child that they are better than anybody else, that they have a right to, you know, just plow over everybody else, and um, their opinions are always right, and you know, everybody everybody's got to have opinions, and so that could definitely breed narcissism in some kids just by pumping them up much. So there's got to be a... That was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. <clears throat> You're right. I think, man, that was good, my dear Miss Kim, because you're right. Too much of that can breed narcissism and develop children to be narcissistic. I, I remember one of my ex-friends back in the days, um, the parent would always tell the kid, well, you're so great. You do a great job with everything. And amp the kid up so much that the kid would be so annoying, like always competitive, always wanting to be the best at everything. And after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, my cooking is all this. My this is all that. And some stuff it really wasn't. But, you know, it's just like they amped this kid up so much that the kid grew up to be 
just thinking them all that all the time. And sometimes it was like, all right, calm down. Like, stop trying to make yourself be better than everybody. But when, when I understood the root of it, when the kids share with me, mind you, the kid is an adult. So when this now adult that shared with me, like, oh, yeah, my mommy saw me set me up with everything. And so, you know, I became very competitive. And, you know, and I'm like, and you're still like that. Oh, God, you know, so annoying. But we always, you know, just as parents or as people or as cousins or as nieces and nephews as we're seeing our, the new generation coming up, we have to, you know, try to be a little mindful to do things just a little different, you know. Um, we're learning. Every day we learn something new. And as we learn, um, let's just be mindful to just to just say, uh, to do things just a little differently. Because uh, those, those, the way that we treat our kids, it can manifest into, like, um, you know, Phil, you just shared, it made you cross the line. You know, at some point, somebody pitched your head, made me more aggressive, or it made me a bully, or it made me, you know, because you think that, that behavior is correct. If somebody's being aggressive towards you, Philip, and being and, and grabbing on you or harming you or feeling like they can do whatever you, then uh, that could affect you where you won't even understand boundaries, right? Or you won't really understand. And so those behaviors of abuse can breed, like uh, Ms. Kim said, narcissism, narcissistic tendencies or personalities in a person. And so the effect on the child, it could be severe. It could be severe. What's the difference? What's the difference between that and being really successful? Between what and being successful? Between thinking you're better than everybody else, like a narcissist, like you just described. Oh, okay. Mhm. Okay. So, well, this is gonna be my my example, and then this Tim, if you want to answer to him also. Um, for me, knowing that, um, okay, being very successful, a person who sets goals, um, focuses on accomplishing them, and doesn't put other people down or make them feel less than. They're humble. They just do what they're doing, and they keep it moving, and they, they know they're great on the inside, but they're not always like, oh, I'm great at this. I'm great at that. I'm great at that. That is so annoying. And that's what I was hearing from this person. It's always bragging about how great you are instead of like, okay, just, I mean, you can share what you're doing, well, yep, I'm working on this, I'm working on that. You know, I do that with some of my friends. We motivate each other. But bragging on yourself consistently, it's a little arrogant. It's a little arrogant to be like, and I, I'm big, and I'm so beautiful, and my skin's so perfect, and my teeth have the best smile. Oh, my butt looks great, my legs look great. I look so great all the time praising yourself. Like, don't praise yourself. Go praise God. Stop praising on yourself. Now, if you're like, hey, I'm working on this, I'm working on that, I've been through this, I've been through that, I can respect that. That's not that's not the problem. But when you're like, I'm better than, I'm all that, and I'm negative consistently, and then you're making somebody else feel bad. Like, I don't think that I was uh, less attractive than this person, but this person was so adamant about how fly they were. <laughs> that's okay, okay. Mm-hmm. This, um person was so adamant about how sly they were that and, and so braggy about it that I 
started to really think I was ugly. It affected me. And it's not that I had low self-esteem. Like, girl, you just have a little self-esteem. That's a personal issue. No, it's you bragging and bragging. And I'm the kind of person I'm an encourager. So when somebody's bragging, I'd be like, yo, that's dope. Good job. So you're bragging and bragging and bragging, but you don't compliment nobody back. And you're like, I'm this, I'm better than that. And my teeth are straight and my, my skin is just, that's not nice. That makes the, the people around you ill. It could be become hurtful. It could make people, because like I said, I would pour into the person, but the person wouldn't pour into me and say nice things to me. Me, I would agree and be like, yep, you are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. To, to help the person, to encourage the person. But I feel like it needs to be a give and take. I don't know if I answered your question, Philip. Ms. Kim, if you got something else to add, please do. And Philip did it. Did, well, no. Ms. Kim, if you got something to add. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of anything right now. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. But some people yeah, are just so arrogant with me. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever met anybody like that? Oh, yeah. I actually met that one. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. so extra. Oh. <laughs> so, did I help answer? Uh, no, go ahead, Ms. Kim, if you need to add, because I need Philip to understand this one. We need Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet he understands. He probably gets it. <laughs> Philip, yeah, you got that one, Philip? Yeah, that cleared up a lot. It gave me some clarity. Oh, yeah. Some people are just just a little arrogant with it. Just, you know, they keep a little humility. It will be good. I think that's what it is. Maybe that's why it was just severely, you know. But, but it wasn't that person's fault because that person was made to feel that they were the best at everything because they did pageants and they were the the mom instilled that and and the person shared that with me like my mom really used to always you know brag on me and and beat me up so much that you know it made me very competitive so i knew the root of it but just it still was kind of like annoying <laughs> i love the person but it was still kind of annoying but i'm sorry miss Kim, you got to say something i'm sorry no, that's, I just think a lot of times, I think it starts, from what I can understand, as far as the whole narcissism thing goes and stuff, it is it starts really early. I mean, and it, it's a, a, um, a product of, either overly, just like what we've been talking about this whole show, either overly um, praising and stimulating your child and telling them the birth, but it can also come from a lot of neglect as well. So I think that I saw probably a lot more when my kids were growing up in my neighborhood that I'm in because I'm in such a suburban area that it was a lot of parents just, you know, praising their kids. They can't ever do anything wrong. You know, they got a they got a speeding ticket and it can't be their fault. It had to have been somebody else's fault that they were speeding. You know, so there's always to I think a lot of times if these parents have 
a lot of wealth, then they will want their kids to be portrayed as better than other two. And so they they just pass that whole thinking along to their children. And so a lot of times it is like a generational thing. Just like abuse. And that was the most true. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like you said, over-praising. <clears throat> I think you're right. Anything that you do too much of can become a problem. Over-praising, over-screaming, over, you know, over anything. Too much of anything can become a problem. So, you know, sometimes as parents, we can't always get it right. You know, we make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But I think as long as we actively try and say, okay, well, look, you know, this is this is what I need. This is what you need. And let's find the sweet spot. Let's find the medium. I think that we can get through anything with respect and communication. And, um, and just, like I said, opening that line of communication. Like, you know, growing up, I used to always well, tell my kids, like, look, you could come to me and talk to me about anything. Anytime you need to come talk to me, if it's something that you know I'm going to go off about, just say, Ma, let me just prepare you. I, I need to talk to you about something. I need you just, there's some I need to talk to you about. Once you prepare me, I don't care what it is, I'm not going to go off. But don't just throw something on me. I would say, I always used to tell them, prepare me and be like, hey, Ma, I got to talk to you about something real quick. And then, bam, the floor is open. And the rule is, I'm not going to go off. So, you know, finding a way to communicate with your children or with your friends or, you know, that's a way of setting boundaries. Like, hey, you know, this this bothers me, but if we talk about it this way, then I won't do it that way. Like, you're learning how to communicate. It's like a dance. Um, But I think the great thing that we're doing today is we're learning from our mistakes, past mistakes, the mistakes of our parents, the mistakes of our friends, the mistakes of our loved ones, and we're finding a way to be the person that we would look up to. How do we do that? And for me, it's, uh, excuse me, it's trying to just be a better person and being actively um, learning from my mistakes, um, creating safe space where at the end of the day, we could talk about something, boo, 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 and then we move to the next level. Um, and I think that's important. Communication is important, and, um, and respecting other people is important. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. But as far as when it comes to, and I'm sorry, I was thinking about, I was thinking about my son again where, you know, he was dealing with something in private, and he kept it in private. To the point now, he's a young adult. He's 19 years old. He was going through something at 13, 12. And, I, and, and when I read these stories of suicide, um, to feel like, dang, you know, let's say it's a friend or a cousin or a sibling or a loved one. It's my child in this case. But to know that he was going through something and he felt that he needed to deal with it in silence, be embarrassed, have to smile through it while they're picking on you, picking on you, picking on you. 
it really it hurt me when he told me about it because I, I sure would have been out of school. But like he said, you know, that causes problems because I know I went through that with my mom. Like I went through a phase, you know, with some of the kids who want to be a bully. They didn't like me. I was new in the school. I just learned English, but my accent was so heavy. So, you know, the girls would be a mean girls or making fun of me. I had to change school like two times because of the of picking and the abuse of people calling me names, the way I looked, the way I sounded. Um, I got called every bad name in the book. Like, it really broke my self-esteem down. And so um, to hear my son tell me that uh, he was being treated in that manner in school and I couldn't do anything to protect him. I mean, thank God it already passed. It's done. He told me about it this year. But it, it did do something to me. I, I did feel guilty. I felt bad. I felt like, dang, what what could I have done better? And I'm and I'm saying this because every day somebody is taking their life. And I'm when I say somebody, I'm really talking about a kid. It's going through emotional abuse, verbal abuse, um, physical abuse, okay, by a bully, whether it's a family member, a loved one, which is even worse, but that's another story, or um, or somebody from school, and you got to suffer in silence. You're not allowed to tell because you're worried about them getting offended that you told. You're worried about them picking on you even harder, like, oh, you're going to have these people calling me from the Child Protective Services, and and I'm talking about a parent or a family member. Now you, you have the bully that you're living with. You're not just stressed out about going to school, because I'm worried about the fact of the stress and anxiety that I remember I had to go to school. But now the bully is at the house. You know, and so... It's, it's, it's a tough case. It's a tough case. Uh, and so if we get wind of someone else going through this type of stuff, how can we be of better support? I don't know if anybody has a suggestion of what – I know, Miss um, Kim, I know you do a lot of advocacy work with, um, you know, with the youth and the community to support and protect children. I don't know if you can share – some tips on maybe what could we do if we do see something, how do we say something? Who maybe who could we report it to the principal or um, I don't know if I rambled on too much, but Yeah, I um well what we teach is that if you are so let's say you're just a parent. This is, this is gonna make it easier for people who are just listening to understand. Um, because teachers, you know, are mandated reporters. They have to do it. They have a system, or they should have a system in place on how to report. And um, But if you are a parent, and let's say your child's friend comes to you and discloses that they are being abused by their parents, um, what we recommend first is that you call a child advocacy center. Because if you um, if you call like the police, which they'll get the information eventually, they will you know come and interview your child, and then they'll send them on to a counselor or whatever, and you interview them there, and then you've got to you know probably end up in the child advocacy center as well in the in the end, 
if you don't start there. And then they do the interview. But And that's traumatizing to a child. So it's best if you can get, you know, connected with the Child Advocacy Center. And I would just encourage anybody who's listening to look that up in your area. And um, and call them and tell them what you have heard. And they can do all of the, you know, all of the investigating and, and stuff into what is going on. But... Um, but that way, the child advocacy person will be, um, will be able to come and do a forensic interview. They know all the right questions to ask and how to not, you know, ask leading questions and things like that. So they can do a very thorough interview with the child and then pass all of that information on to all everybody else that will need to have it. And the child doesn't have to continue to say it over and over and over again. So that would be probably my number one thing that I would suggest to anybody who is, you know, listening and, and curious. It, like I said, if you're in an organization or a school, you should have policies in place. If there aren't, and if you are an, a parent listening right now and, um, and you go, I, I don't know, I've never really gotten any information about, like, their policies or their code of conduct. All of that information should be available to you. And so if you are wondering or, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable, that's another good thing to pay attention to is, is your gut feeling because a lot of times we just will push that away. And so um, paying attention and then asking questions. So wherever your child is, you have a right to ask questions and say, okay, what, is, what are the, the policies or the code of conduct? When my child is in your care, what is that going to look like? And they should be able to tell you that. And, um, and you know, just be, I, I would even be open, this is what we teach too, with any babysitters that are coming into your house. So if a babysitter is coming over, it's the first time they're watching your kids, you tell them, you know, these are, well, and have those numbers available, which is really good. When I do my classes, I give out a sheet, a piece of paper that has all of Colorado's child advocacy centers and emergency numbers and, and stuff so um, so that people can just put that up on wherever they need to and they can have it available for their reference. But um, I would recommend that if you don't, if you've got children at home still and you don't know where your child advocacy center is, maybe look it up and write it down on your emergency numbers because it is an important number to have. So that would be one of the first things that I would do. And then the, the other thing is talk to your kids. <laughs> You've got to be able to have this open line of communication so that if they feel unsafe in a situation that they will call you or they will, you know, tell you about what's going on. So, I mean, that, that really is the biggest thing, just being open so that they know they can come talk to you. And if right. you know that your kid won't, come talk to you, then setting up a safe person for them. And even, if, especially probably if your kids are little or if they're in elementary school, it would be good to have that discussion with them. Say, who do you feel safe with at the school if you felt like you needed to go tell somebody something that happened? Or who do you feel safe with when you are at swim team? You know, who is your, your safe person? And... Um, kind of designate those for the children so that they have that very vividly in their mind if they need it. 
pictures. So I don't think it's, those are some of my suggestions <laughs> that can answer your question. I think that's amazing. Just like you said, asking them who's the safe person. <clears throat> I mean, there's just little things that you can do that you don't really think about. Who's the safe person? You may not be the safe person, so you ask them who's the safe person. When you find out who the safe person is, you can get support from the safe person. A lot of parents they don't they don't know how to start, but that's a good way to just get started. You have to be able to have dialogue and communication with your kids. If you ask questions or a person who they feel safe with, ask questions, they will um, they will open up. And the best way to be able to help them is to hear what their needs are so that you can understand how to better support them. Um, so that was good. I agree. Philip, I don't know if you had a comment to make. Well, if you I had have a question. question. Mm-hmm. Is it true that child affects, that child abuse affects the development of the brain? Well, from studies, yes. we do yeah. know that yes, it does. It does. Uh, <clears throat> it could help. It could, it could keep you at a state of a, a child state. It, help, it affects the development of the brain, and it affects a lot of things in the brain. Um, and so, yes, it does affect, does have an effect on the brain. I mean, it's trauma, right? I mean, it's traumatic. Traumatic events affect the brain. And Ms. Kim, if you want to add anything. No, they just, um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of studies that show that it, that it affects the brain and it'll keep you, if you don't have a way to process that and release it and let it go, then um, it continues to just kind of fester in your brain. I mean, it's kind of like Wait, so brain fog. You said it can keep you at a child state? Yeah. Or, yeah, yes. whatever age yes. that trauma it can help your brain. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. Whatever age, just like when Ms. Kim was saying, whatever age that trauma happens, it stunts the growth, right? And so a lot of times you feel like a little kid because it does affect your growth. It affects the growth of your brain. So a person who's never been through trauma versus a person who's been through trauma, you'll see a difference in a lot of times maturity, right, Um, or being able to now move out and do things that go with the next step of growth. You graduate and, you know, you want to go away to college or you want that there's certain things that you can't really do like somebody who hasn't been through trauma. And so you understand, like, okay, that's why I act like that or that's why I think like that, because it has an effect on the brain. It slows down the growth of your brain, and especially in the next phase of where you should be in the age group by this point in this time. This time I still feel like a little kid. You know, I mourn the little girl, the, the little girl that went through abuse, right? And so there's times that I still fight through those those feelings of, like, being like a little kid. Trauma has an effect on the brain. It definitely does. Not feeling good enough. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Not necessarily that you're just always acting like you're a little kid. It's just kind of mm-hmm. the emotional responses to, to things that happen in mm-hmm. your life. 
and especially and if some it people is. people do act like little kids. Look, and some, and some well, people do true. get stuck in the little kid world. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they like pacifiers. <laughs> they do all kind of weird stuff. And, and when you really get down to something they've been through, like you're dealing with hoarders. There's some people that act like little babies. They buy bottles like babies. They buy pacifiers like babies. There's baby world. I had followed <clears throat> a few years ago, and she had pacifiers, bottles, and she's in a baby world. My problem is a lot of times when you sit down with people and you start to unmask trauma, you get to the bottom, you're like, oh, my Lord, severe trauma, some traumatic situation, and reverse the brain back. And some people get stuck in the little kid world, and then some people don't process things like an adult, and then some people have fits like a baby, or some people, it's just different things. But, yes, just like Ms. Kim was saying, that it can, especially based on when it happened, when the abuse happened, what age you were, it does stunt the growth. Yeah, but when you do a little research, you'll see there's case studies by doctors. I was going to say, so okay, yeah, have you ever um, looked up the ACEs? I know we've talked about it here a couple of times, but I don't know if you've ever yes. looked up that study, the ACEs study. No, I haven't looked at that adverse childhood experiences study. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is it on YouTube? Look that up because, yeah, yeah, you can look it up on YouTube. Um, because it'll, it kind of will give you a good explanation of how that all happens. Because it's telling you basically, you know, what, what are possibilities that could happen. Not everybody is going to have, you know, these adverse childhood reactions, but most likely if you are struggling as an adult, you've had some kind of trauma in your past. And, um, and then looking at that study kind of helps you dissect it a little bit. So yeah, it's a really good study. It's a really good thing to do. I think there's, I think you could read about it and, and I think there is some, there's definitely speakers that talk about it on YouTube. So you could find that as well. But, um, but it was done, the original study was done by Kaiser Permanente. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first started reading yeah. about that, it's a study, it was like my eyes just went, I figured myself mm-hmm. out. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like, really? That's, that's why I am like I am? And then start to realize that, you know, you're normal for all of the trauma that you've been through. And I think getting, you know, all of us on this, this show, the show's ended, by the way. <laughs> We're not still on the air. <laughs> but, um, okay, you know, we've all been through trauma, so we know. Yeah, it just cuts off if we don't. Um, when it gets to that, like oh, that 10 okay. seconds, and after the 10 seconds, oh. it'll just cut off. But, um, oh, okay. But we can play the music if you but want. But that's good. You that was the music? good stuff. I, so wish, I wish that was recorded. <laughs> I wish that was recorded because <laughs> that was good. I'm glad that you brought the, that back up. Ms. Ahead, what's inappropriate? Yeah. If you have a child, what's an appropriate age to leave them at home alone? When can you start leaving your they, child at home alone? Like, Yeah. I think they say 11 or 12 is when it's, it, you know, of course it's going to depend on your parents when they want you to. That's, I think, the legal, when you're starting to be you know, able to take care of yourself is about 11 or 12. And then um, you're supposed to be like 13 
to or twelve or thirteen. I think they're kind of fluctuating there, but um, to be able to like watch a sibling, and then you're supposed to be you know like a year older than that or something to watch other kids. So it's kind of like, did you go through the the whole driving thing, Philip? Where you, I mean, you like went to a, a I don't know if it's different where you're at or not, but um, but you had to go to a driving instructor and they instructed you and you kind of did to get your license. Did you do it in steps? Well, my dad made us drive on the freeway when we were kids, so. I oh, only had one driving lesson. Yeah. yeah. But now you know I how to do it. I only had one know. driving lesson. <laughs> yeah. You drive, Philip? Um, I haven't driven recently because I have. I'm not a safe driver, so I gave up my license for a while. Mhm. I did, John. Well, that was smart. Well, that's thank you for joining us. Right. Yeah, I appreciate you. Always committed. I hope that um, I have to worry, but answer some of your questions, and I hope that <clears throat> we are we were all able to learn something tonight. But thank you, Philip. I'll let you guys go ahead, and thank you guys. Thank you, Miss Kim, for showing us tonight. I was worried about it. <clears throat> the service went in and out a little bit, but guess what? The sky is clear right now, nice. so that's good. <laughs> yeah, we were on storm watch. Um, yeah, and some of my friends. Um, I had a class tonight. You know, my seven p.m. class it got canceled. Six thirty p.m. class it got canceled because um because of, they also had storms and their connection was horrible. So, but. So it worked out. I only had one drop, so it was good. Yeah, and I don't even know if that was really your fault because we all dropped at the same time. So I don't think that was even uh, you. Philip was there by yourself. <laughs> Philip, you were there by yourself. I know. Hello? Remember, Philip, when the call dropped? You were yeah. the only one on the radio by yourself. You were running the show. I was like, don't abandon me. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for hanging in there. Yeah. I'll let y'all get some yeah. rest. I know it's, it's late. So. Did you go to the gym yeah. today, Dr. Nancy? Nope. Hold me accountable this week, though. This week I have to go because I can't sit down my clothes. My birthday's next month. And I got to post a cute picture, so I need some help. <laughs> Check on me next time, okay? I'll be back on on Monday, okay. next Monday. Okay? <laughs> Check on me. <laughs> All right, Philip. Yeah, this Wednesday. Have I don't a know. I, I, normally, yeah, normally I'm on Monday and Wednesday, but they didn't put me on Wednesday. That's okay. I'll see you on Monday. Well, Penelope's back. Yeah, have a good night. Yeah, Penelope. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then it gives me the break because I asked them to put me once. So sometimes next week, I'm on twice, Monday and Wednesday next week, but this week I'm not. So it, it gives me a break, too, and it gives her a break, and it gives you a break, and everybody gets a little break. So it works out. So all right, y'all. Have a good night. Hey, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right, good night. Bye. Bye-bye.